are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Wednesday edition of Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A on Twitter, and editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your host covering your New Orleans Saints every single Monday through Friday. First of all, apologies for the late release on today's episode, but I really wanted to wait for these Jameis Winston contract details to drop, and now that they've been released, we will talk about the numbers, and we'll help to put them a little bit in perspective as Jameis Winston is now officially signed with the New Orleans Saints and now his work with Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Joe Lombardi, and Pete Carmichael officially begins today. Then we're going to hear a little bit from our friend Jordan Long over at Locked On Ducks about each of the Oregon undrafted free agents and their incredible nicknames. And then we're going to close out the show with a look around the web at all of the way too early 2021 mock drafts that I could find and see where experts have the Saints going a year from now. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. The details from Jameis Winston's contract with the New Orleans Saints have been released and they are surprising. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. So now that Jameis Winston has officially signed his contract, the next thing we were waiting for were the numbers as always. And they release early this morning and uh, this they're a bit surprising. Uh, we knew that the contract was going to be low, quote unquote, as uh, Nick Underhill told us, but we did not expect it, or at least I didn't expect it to be like this. Now, let me sort of set up the expectation here. Teddy Bridgewater's contract with the Saints last year was uh, $7.25 million, highest paid backup in the league. And then we also saw Taysom Hill get a new deal just a couple of days ago, $16 million guaranteed. Uh, t- uh, 10, 10 and a half is sort of the APY because it's a two-year $21 million deal. But as we've discussed many times, APY is just sort of uh, an umbrella structure. What you should pay attention to there a little bit more maybe is the guaranteed money. So you're looking at about $8 million guaranteed for Taysom Hill. So with that being the case, you also look at Taysom Hill not only being a backup quarterback, but also serving all of the offensive roles that he serves. And that makes sense. So if if Jameis Winston's contract was to be quote unquote low, I was expecting it to be somewhere around five to six million dollars for the year. Instead, the base salary is nine hundred and fifty two thousand dollars and the signing bonus is one hundred and forty eight thousand dollars, meaning that his salary cap for this year is $1.1 million. It's a $1.1 million total deal. Now, there are incentives up to uh, $3.6 million worth, in fact. Uh, that would be a $1.76 million playtime incentive during the regular season, a $1.8 million playoff incentive, and then a $400,000 Pro Bowl incentive. So that probably means that there are thresholds set for season playtime and how many snaps he takes or how often he appears years in the regular season to where he could earn up to 100 I'm sorry 1.76 million dollars I imagine if he appears in the playoffs 1.8 million dollars and then if he's selected to a pro bowl he gets that 400 I'm sorry that uh 40,000 dollars so a total in terms of max contract of 4.7 million dollars so even with all of those incentives he's still getting paid 
uh, quite a bit less than I expected. Now let's put this a little bit in in perspective here. Winston's $1.1 million total contract is the same amount as DJ Swearinger's $1.1 million contract, except for the fact that DJ Swearinger actually got less of a signing bonus and more in terms of his base salary. In fact, DJ Swearinger actually got a roster bonus of $50,000. So he actually gets $1.05 million in his base salary while Jameis Winston's is at $952,000. So Winston does get the higher bonus. However, their contracts are still the absolute same. Greg Augman from over at uh, The Athletic in Tampa Bay, who covers the Bucks for The Athletic, mentioned in a tweet that Jameis Winston will make $1.1 million in 2020 with the Saints plus incentives. He made $1.23 million per week with the Bucks last season. So he made an additional $130,000 per week than what he's going to make with New Orleans in terms of his minimum total contract without incentives at $1.1 million over the entire year with the New Orleans Saints. So what does this mean? Does this mean that there's something wrong with Jameis and he you know, couldn't get the contract that he wanted? No, there are tons of reports, including from very reliable sources like Ian Rappaport, that Jameis was actually given uh, better and more lucrative offers elsewhere, but he turned them down for an opportunity to come to New Orleans and learn from Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael, Joe Lombardi, and everybody within that Saints coaching staff and everybody within that Saints locker room and quarterback room. And it seems that that is more important to Winston than the actual contract and the money that he's going to make on his own. He was on uh, Instagram Live with Charlie Ward yesterday, and he was talking about how uh, working with all four of those guys that I mentioned, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Pete Carmichael, Joe Lombardi, it's like the Harvard College, like the Harvard School for quarterbacking is the way that he looks at it. So for him, it's an opportunity to go somewhere develop, be in a position where he can actually sit back and learn because he's not had that opportunity for being fair. He was drafted number one overall by Tampa Bay over Marcus Mariota, which was a big deal. Then he ends up going to Tampa Bay and becoming the immediate starter. And then after that, he never really got the chance to just sit back and learn from anyone. Now there is the LASIK eye surgery conversation as well that we can't go without mentioning, but there's so much here in terms of what what this opportunity is for Jameis that he was totally fine taking essentially a veteran minimum contract, just above the veteran minimum contract to be here in New Orleans and learn from that band of characters that he mentioned. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch Jameis over uh, training camp and over the season and see how everything goes. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where he ends up after his time with New Orleans, which could mean back in New Orleans. We can't just pretend like he might only spend one year and then never return to New Orleans. There's always a chance that he comes back as well. So we'll see exactly what happens with him, what his development looks like, and whether or not this was a risk that was worth taking for him. But for me, all signs point to absolutely. So this is just something that's become so incredibly specific to the New Orleans Saints. Their culture, they've become a training ground for quarterbacks at this point. I mean, the New Orleans Saints brand is something that continues to evolve every day. And this signing by Jameis Winston just continues to sort of accredit that uh, in a way that is very, very different from any other status we've seen across the NFL. The fact that a starting caliber quarterback that, yes, has some issues, that, yes, is entirely, as I've mentioned before, antithetical to what this system is in terms of turnover numbers and things like that, but that he's willing to say, you know what? I want to change all that. I'm willing to put my ego aside and I'm willing to take this $1.1 million contract with some incentives to protect me in case I do actually end up playing. Um, I'm going to give, I'm going to take all that, put all that aside, take this contract just to get the opportunity to come and learn in New Orleans. And it's such a specific thing 
to uh, the New Orleans Saints culture and the New Orleans Saints brand. So uh, it'll be very interesting to watch all this as Jameis develops and as the team works with him and things like that to see exactly what the finished product is after his time in New Orleans and, again, whether or not it extends uh, his time in New Orleans. So we'll see exactly what happens there. But now that we've talked a bit more about Jameis, about the contract, of course, we'll talk more about him all throughout the week. But I do want to get to next my conversation with Jordan Love. I joined him. He's over at the Locked on Ducks podcast, which is the Locked on podcast that covers the Oregon Ducks. The Saints, of course, have Juwan Johnson, Gus Cumberlander, and y'all know my favorite Calvin Throckmorton coming through as undrafted free agents. Wanted to get a little bit of insight from the uh, expert on the matter in terms of what the Saints are getting in each of these players. And he helps us out by telling us about their fit, the players, what it is that they did when they were at Oregon and before, and share some of those pretty dope nicknames that they have for some Oregon Ducks out there. So we got that coming up next for you right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. If y'all are anything like me, you have either just eaten and you're already thinking about what you're going to have tomorrow or you haven't eaten yet. And the only thing you can think about is when you're going to eat and what you're going to eat. And for times like that, that's when the Postmates app comes in handy, especially at a time like right now and with everything that's going on in the world, they've created non-contact deliveries. You can have everything brought and left outside your house. You don't have to leave your home. You don't even have to open the door until after your food is already there. And they make it even easier if you want to get outside for a little while, but do it safely. Postmates pick up. They allow you to go out and grab takeout from all of your favorite local restaurants. And that's really important to be supporting all of your local neighborhood spots right now. I've only been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. And you can do it too through the Postmates app. And you can do it with even convenience stores, 7-Eleven, Walgreens. Get those, those sort of necessities that you need just as much as you can get your hands on all of the food that you want as well. And you can start taking care of that, taking care of yourself as well by downloading the Postmates app on iOS and Android. Find your favorite to get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries now, just download the Postmates app and use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL, all one word, all caps, that's code LOCKEDONNFL, for $100 of free delivery credit in your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. All right, Houdat Nation. So again, I joined Jordan Long over at the Locked on Ducks podcast. Make sure that you follow him on Twitter at the Dustoff Guy. And you can also follow Locked on Ducks at Locked on Ducks. And I do encourage you to follow those accounts to keep up a little bit more with what's going on over in Oregon uh, with the Ducks, because there's no coincidence here in the Saints taking three different Oregon Ducks. They apparently very much like that program. They clearly have something going on over there that even at the undrafted free agent level, the Saints like. So worth keeping up with them there. But I joined Jordan over at his show to talk a little bit about where these guys might fit in with the Saints. So I wanted to share a bit of that chat with all of you. Uh, I'm going to kind of cut things up here so that you can hear a bit of uh, Jordan's explanation in terms of what it is that they're bringing to the game and then a bit of mine in terms of where they fit with New Orleans. But I'm going to probably keep my stuff a little brief because you've heard me talk about it on the show before. But it's good to have the reminder and good to have the reaffirmation. So uh, take a listen and enjoy Enjoy uh, again myself and Jordan Long of Locked On Ducks. All right, I want to start by talking about Calvin Throckmorton, Doc Throck, as uh, he's come <laughs> to be called, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Uh, standing six foot five and three hundred and seventeen pounds is a big man. You know, Calvin was a four year defensive line starter in high school and was recruited by Mark Elfridge. And actually, and and my listeners have heard me harp on this quite a bit. And this is something um, I hope I don't repeat with the other players, but these these. This class of Oregon Ducks played for three different coaches and three different schemes. 
And we can talk later about how that could be a strength or a weakness, but this was the most experienced offensive line in the country last year. Now in senior year, last year, 52 consecutive starts, one back allowed in 31 straight games. He's a second team All-American in 2018-2019. Now, after the Red Box Bowl in, uh, in 2018, he actually dislocated his ankle and missed spring practice, but came back uh, and did fine in his senior year. So um, I don't see it as an injury concern just based on uh, how he performed last season. Now, one question I have for you is I, I read that the Saints gave him a $1,500 signing bonus. Now, I hear that's 10% of available UDFA bonuses. Is this true? And is that a significant signing bonus? Cause I'm not too familiar with, you know, professional UDFA bonuses. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it is a significant signing bonus. And if I remember correctly, I believe he also got the uh, the most guaranteed money out of any of the undrafted free agents that the Saints brought in as well. You know, I, I always have a soft spot for these smarter players, but he's he's not just smart, he's also reliable, right? 52 starts and one sack in his final 45 games. He's also versatile. Uh, 52 starts, 41 starts at right tackle, five starts at left tackle, three starts at right guard, and three starts at center. Now, he's telling teams that he's a plug-and-play starter. This is when he started talking to the pros. He said he's a plug-and-play starter on the interior, but if you need help at tackle, then he's the guy who's going to come in and do the job. But on the Tuesday of the Senior Bowl week, he got invited because of a shortage, and so he hightailed it to Alabama, participated in a Senior Bowl, played multiple positions, and in fact, assistant offensive line coach Ben Martin said, that he's a genius and knows the playbook better than any of us. So on short notice with a short week, he studied up and was ready and, you know, plays smart, plays tough, plays hard. You know, everything that you've named so far is such a fantastic fit for what this organization loves with their offensive linemen and honestly loves with this draft. You look at the guys that they selected that they actually did take in the draft. One of the things that Coach Payton mentioned that they were looking for and that Jeff Ireland was looking for across all of these guys that they selected uh, was that football IQ, that football intelligence, or as they like to call it, the FBI. And mm -hmm. that is something that it sounds like Calvin Throckmorton absolutely brings to the table. You can see it on his tape as well. And then the versatility that you mentioned as somebody that can be a plug-and-play starter in the interior where the Saints have had a lot of issues recently, not only with uh, not only with injury, but also just simply with play. You know, they've had some issues there in terms of what, how, what their production looks like on the interior. And then to have somebody that can bounce outside, that type of versatility is extremely important. And so the combination of both of those things, somebody that can learn a playbook very quickly. And of course, the Saints playbook is notoriously complicated. The play calls are notoriously mm -hmm. complicated. Drew Brees is calling, you know, two plays every huddle, and they're each 14 words apiece, you know? And so, <laughs> and so having an understanding of the offense and, and, and uh, having somebody that can pick up an understanding of the offense so quickly and that can be as versatile is definitely uh, a big, uh, big advantage for the Saints and definitely gives Calvin Throckmorton uh, an advantage over some of the guys that may even already be on the roster, either coming uh, back in as reserves or even even the guys on future uh, reserve contracts, he really gets a kind of a leg up because of his intelligence and because of that versatility being so important for the organization. All right. So next up, uh, we're going to talk about Juwan Johnson. And uh, this guy, since high school, has been nicknamed Juanatron. Now, obviously, he wasn't run, He didn't run a 4.38 at the combine, but uh, but because of his size and and catch radius and ability to climb the mountain and pull it down uh, his football career. He's been nicknamed Juanatron. And just like, like you mentioned, another great Oregon football nickname. 
he was a four-star high school recruit, 6'4", 230 pounds. Now, this is a big, big man. 10 and a half inch hands, 82 inch wingspan, 34 plus inch arms. And in fact, he was invited to the East-West Shrine game and Bleacher Reports' Matt Miller said he really was impressive there. He possesses the athleticism on route breaks to get separation, makes up for his lack of speed. I mean, this guy's not a burner. I, I'm freely admitting that, but he makes up for that with athleticism, the ability to get uh, guys to bite on double moves. A, a frame of his size could be filled out if the Saints are interested in a tight end wide receiver hybrid. And I don't know, is that something that interests uh, uh, the, the Saints offense, a, a tight end wide receiver hybrid? Well, considering how much they love to throw the ball and how much they love to utilize the seams, I can definitely see it. And in fact, we've also seen it with an undrafted free agent before in Dan Arnold. Now, Dan Arnold, unfortunately, didn't pan out, but he had similar build at six foot five and a little bit underweight, if you will, but uh, in terms of what they like at the position. But they still worked with him as a receiver, tried to work with him to improve his blocking ability as well. But they didn't really, I mean, you know, he, it wasn't going to keep him from making the roster at that point if he wasn't a good blocker, because that's not what he was there for but we've actually seen them try it before it didn't work out with Dan Arnold but I don't think they'd be afraid to try it again if somebody showed that they had the uh, the potential for it he definitely developed sure hands uh, before the draft and has shown that to be something he's improved on and has gotten really good at uh, I call him a possession receiver now he started at Penn State 2016 Big Ten all academic team remember I got a soft spot for the smart guys there were uh, a couple of injury issues and some uh, uh, getting on the field things going on at, at Penn State but a breakout year with Oregon and a really good addition and in fact if he had been drafted as a receiver in the seventh round I'd call him a, a diamond in the rough so I really think this is a is a very affordable very good choice by the Saints as a UDFA the next guy we're going to talk about, Gus, amazing name. I'm not sure if it's a great football name, but this is an amazing name, <laughs> Cumberlander. Uh, it certainly fits into that category. And and this guy, 6'7", 256 pounds. And even despite Oregon having one of the last pro days before the sports apocalypse, he was still able to attend that. We're going to get to the injury that prevented him from uh, uh, really doing the workouts and stuff, but he was able to measure in at 35 and a quarter inch arms, 83 and a half inch wingspan. That's a, Oof. that's a, that's a big lengthy dude. Yeah. And 21 bench press reps is, is pretty doggone good too. Uh, he didn't do any workouts because the knee injury was, was still healing. And if you watch his tape, his tape has been, uh, graded at about a four, nine, 40 time, which mm -hmm. is which is good for a man uh, his size. After injuring his knee on October 5th, he was out for the rest of the season. He wasn't able to get the kind of play that, that he could show off his talents leading up to this year. But with this length and this size, he's surprisingly quick. And he's got good hips, that right, that change of direction, that, that quick hips we were talking about earlier. And despite his height and size he's got great pad level he's able to get down i think he's a, a excellent developmental prospect and i think he has huge upside potential you know, it's interesting. I'm starting to learn that the Saints have a little bit of a mold in these undrafted free agent defensive ends that they really like. And I, I, I Cumberlander reminds me of a guy, 
that the Saints brought in last season named Corbin Calfusi. He was six foot nine, two seventy five when he came into the league uh, out of BYU, and he was just kind of brought in as somebody to come in and be a part of the training camp squad and and everything like that. And they were really interested in him and what he would be able to do in terms of punt block and kick block situations and things like that. But interesting to me that they go with another guy that has these insane measurables that might be able to come in and do the same thing. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not sure that uh, Cumberlander really finds his way to the active roster. But the thing about the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton is that if you find your way to the practice squad and then somebody gets hurt, they're going to go to the practice squad and go with people that they are familiar with and players that they're familiar with that they've shown that have shown development before they go to unfamiliar faces that don't know the playbook yet, as we've discussed many, many times the importance of knowing the playbook during this segment. Uh, and I think that that is something that really speaks in Cumberlander's favor is that he could end up being a practice squad guy if the Saints like him enough as a developmental prospect, which means that he could be one of the first people that gets his name called up if there's any reason, any injury, anything like that, that the Saints end up needing to replace a player along the defensive line. All right, y'all, that's Jordan Long from the Locked on Ducks podcast coming through to give us a little bit of insight on three undrafted free agents for the New Orleans Saints in Gus Cumberlander, Jawan Johnson, and of course, my guy, Calvin Throckmorton. So very excited that he was able to come on and give us a little bit of insight there. Coming up next, we're going to we're gonna take a pause from looking at the immediate future and try to look into the crystal ball of the way, way future uh, coming up here because we're going to take a look at all of the way too early mock drafts that I could find, see where experts have the Saints going in the 2021 NFL draft. Just a little bit of fun and some names to put on your radar for the fingers crossed upcoming NCAA college football season. Got that coming up for you next year on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap up today's show with a little bit of fun, just taking a quick look around the internet at some of these way too early mock drafts to see where it is that experts have the Saints going in the 2021 draft. Now, of course, None of these are probably going to be correct, as we know. None of the mock drafts during the regular season and during the next offseason are going to be correct either, such as the game. But when it comes down to this, it's really just an idea of how to put uh, players' names on fan bases' radar so that they know who to watch in the college football season. Fingers crossed we get that, but no negativity on this podcast. We're staying positive. So here are some names for you to watch during the 2020 college football season. I'm going to start off with the Draft Network's Trevor Sikama and CBS Sports' Ryan Wilson, who both mocked to the Saints. This should feel very familiar to you, and this is going to be one of the names you're going to see mocked to the Saints most often throughout this season. Dylan Moses, linebacker out of Alabama. People will probably remember Dylan Moses as the guy that everyone expected to commit to LSU, but ended up committing instead to Alabama, but it's okay. We all make mistakes. Uh, So a couple of things to know about this guy. Uh, Moses could be a very good selection if he turns back to, you know, gets back to form in 2020 and realizes his expectations that were all had for him, which are pretty high expectations. He was expected to be a first round selection in the 2019 draft before he actually ended his season very early with a very early 2019 ACL injury that sidelined him for the season. So high IQ player with late athleticism, six foot three, 235 pounds. He fits the Saints profile. He fits the Saints sort of intelligence FBI uh, profile as well. Demario Davis and Alex. Sanzaloni, both going into contract years in 2020, though Davis feels very likely for an extension. But Dylan Moses, definitely a name to watch during this college football season. Let's jump to the athletic. You know how much I like Dane Brugler. We'll talk about Dane Brugler here. Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Now, the Saints haven't selected a Buckeye in the last three drafts in a row, but Brugler has that changing in 2021. Uh, he complements Olave's uh, route running as well as his ball skills, and in particular, seems to excel in the area 
areas where Saints coaches will be most excited to work with him. At six foot one, 185 pounds, uh, he's kind of like Moses in that he checks some of the boxes for the physical profile. Uh, although in LA's case, he's kind of a little bit light, so the Saints will definitely work with that. And I'm sure he has the frame here to add some of that weight to make them feel a little bit more comfortable. Let's jump to Pro Football Network's Neil Driscoll, who has actually the Saints selecting as the Super Bowl runner-ups and going with our first cornerback of the day in Josh Joby, the cornerback out of Alabama. Now, this pick does make a lot of sense to me as uh, it will be a big need like next year. It's likely that Janoris Jenkins will be out of New Orleans following the 2020 season. and The team will very much be in need of a new starter opposite Marshawn Lattimore. The Saints uh, surprised me by not taking a defensive back in this draft, but of course, they surprised us in many, many different ways. And it was the first time since Drew, uh, sorry, since uh, Sean Payton's tenure, which I guess is also Drew Brees' tenure, since 2006, that they didn't take a defensive back in the draft. This time, they go to the SEC to find a viable option for a day one starter in 2021. Six foot one, 190 pounds, perfect fit for the Saints prototype. Then we go with another cornerback here. SB Nation's Dan Cater has Israel Mukwamo out of South Carolina. Uh, same, essentially the same idea as the last pick for me. The reasoning from the organizational and need perspective makes sense with Norris Jenkins in a contract year. Now, this guy though, six foot four, 204, uh, 205. He's probably going to weigh, he's probably actually going to measure in more like six foot three, but still that's a great size for an outside corner. He plays very well near the line of scrimmage for a boundary guy, a uh, very active in defending short passes in the flats and screens, and he's also very effective in the run game as well. His build pretty much solidifies him as an outside guy, but his physicality gives you a feeling that he might be able to serve multiple roles as well if you want to work him around that secondary a bit. And then we'll go Bleacher Report to Matt Miller, Jamie Newman, quarterback, going into Georgia, most recently playing with Wake Forest. Now, if you're a believer that Jameis Winston should be the heir apparent behind Drew Brees instead of Taysom Hill, then Jamie Newman might actually be your guy for the future after that. Uh, you know, he's an interesting blend of Jameis's arm talent, as well as Cam Newton's mobility and improvisation, as well as fantastic size at six foot four, 230. Now, Newman has accounted for 45 total touchdowns over just the last two years at Wake Forest, 35 in the passing game, 10 on the ground. Now, he'll transfer over to Georgia to play in the SEC, and that's should probably raise his draft profile a bit. And if he continues to be effective as a dual threat, he may prove to be an excellent backup option for Jameis or even for Taysom Hill, whoever it is that eventually secedes Drew Brees. All right, y'all. And we got one more for you. And I had to include this one in here because it's from a good friend of mine that actually wrote this article, uh, Dylan Sanders, who you've heard on the podcast many times. You've also heard he and I over at Section 600, and you can catch all of his stuff over at Whole Nine Sports. But he put out a full Saints uh, mock draft for 2021 way too early seven round mock draft left out the third and sixth round picks for now because we got to wait to see if the NFL ends up screwing over the Saints and not giving them the compensatory picks before we can start planning on them but uh, a great draft here and a uh, an interesting prospect that I really like Rondale Moore the wide receiver out of Purdue now the one thing that's going to always stick out when it comes to Moore is that he's 5'9 193 pounds and some people might say oh with that size he shouldn't be drafted in the first round but we also saw just for instance the Baltimore Ravens uh just last year, select Hollywood Brown in the first round, who's also five foot nine as well. So it's not unprecedented that you might go for a shorter guy in the first round. And for the Saints, the only time I've ever done it is for a burner in in terms of going under six foot is for a burner in uh, in Brandon Cooks. Rondale Moore absolutely fits that description as well. He's going to be a runner. He's going to run in the four fours more than likely in his combine, if not faster. But he's definitely somebody that is a deep threat, but can also really extend plays after the catch, which is something we know that we love in 
in New Orleans. And so somebody that has a ton of potential, somebody that has a ton of playmaking ability and is a wide receiver, which should be another very popular selection for the Saints in the 2021 NFL draft because of the fact that Emmanuel Sanders is, you know, he might come back for the second season of his contract. He might not. We'll see exactly what happens there. Uh, Traquan Smith may or may not be back after this year. So they'll definitely be looking to continue to fill out that wide receiver room. So wide receiver and linebacker look like they're still very much a popular selection for uh, the Saints when it comes to these way too early mocks. We're starting to see cornerback creep into there. And of course, the ongoing, what are the Saints going to do at quarterback after Drew Brees situation just never seems to be settled at any point for anybody. So we'll see exactly how this goes. But I thought it'd be a little fun to take a look at some of those guys. So some people to keep an eye on that you can start watching now, or you can uh, wait around until the college football season begins and check them out and keep an eye on them throughout the season. That's going to do it for today's episode, y'all. We'll be back tomorrow talking more about these draft picks, talking more about Jameis Winston. There's still so much to cover uh, with all of these guys. Is it going to be Jameis or is it going to be Taysom when it comes to the uh, the heir apparent for the Saints quarterback? Now, we don't know at this point, but if you want to chime in on this, I invite you to call 504-229-4265. Again, it's 504-229-4265. Give me your opinion. Tell me, do you want Jameis as the uh, heir apparent as a successor to Drew Brees? Do you want Taysom? And tell me why, why you think it should be or will be one or the other. Let's have some fun with this because it is a very important conversation and it's one that's going to be going on for a long time. So we'll continue that ongoing. Friday, we'll get back to Facebook Friday so you can drop your questions over at the Locked on Saints Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Locked on Saints if you want to participate in that and so much more. Thank you all very much as always, y'all, for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you live and let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust Student Nation. I'll holla at you.